Hello, everybody. Welcome and welcome back to the very first episode of Dixon Politics for 2023. My name is Samantha. I'm thrilled to be here with you. Holy crap. So the first episode came out in 2018, right? End of 2018. So that's really like we'll call it 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022. Y'all. We're four years old. We have outgrown our terrible twos. We've gotten through the uh, the threes, and now we're officially in preschool together, you guys. This is amazing. Thank you so much for being here. How is everyone doing? What did you guys end up doing for New Year's? Did you go out? Did you stay in? Did you fall asleep? Did you hang out with family? Um, I fell asleep. I forgot that it was New Year's Eve completely. And then I woke up the next morning and looked at my phone and thought, huh, look at that. And that was pretty much it. Um, you know, 2023 so far, though, honestly, it's off to a really good start. I've been doing a lot of reflecting, thinking about this company, thinking about what's been going on in my personal life. And I'm happy to report that WISP and Dixon Politics is going to keep on keeping on because this is fun. So why stop? And I've been in therapy now consistently for just over a year, and I'm feeling so much better. Postpartum, I don't know. Everyone kind of said it's going to take, so I shouldn't say everyone. The people who actually know about postpartum life who have either been there or they're a part of it for their profession, and people who really understand like postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression, they all told me, it's going to take two years for my mind and my body to kind of settle back into what it was like pre-pregnancy. And I thought, damn, two years, that's a long time. But I'm almost there and I feel really, really good. So just a simple reminder to all the parents out there, especially people who have given birth in any capacity, be very, very kind, be very gentle with yourself because it does, it takes time. It's a big change to become a parent. Even if you end up giving up your child for adoption or go through the tragedy of losing a child, becoming a parent is a life-changing thing and it's not for the faint of heart. So uh, let's talk about something a little bit broader, okay? I'm gonna go and I'm gonna head out to all the major cities, New Yorkers, Bostonians, I'm looking at you. So Biden, who I know, I know you guys, he's not your favorite person. I know that, but hear me out. So he decided a few days ago that he was going to ride on the coattails of what Congress has already been doing. So Biden rolled out the renter's bill of rights, which basically means that it now provides a direct line for the federal government to control rent laws. And I know both sides of the aisle Middle of the aisle, I know that you guys are so sick and tired of the government sticking their fucking fingers into shit that doesn't belong to them. I know. However, this could be a really good thing. So Congress has already granted the FTC the power to basically like oversee and then police unfair and decepting housing practices. So basically, you know, when landlords are saying, oh, brand new modern apartment, but then you get in there and they've painted over all the hinges and there's rats living in the building and all this stuff. I mean, you guys know just as well as I do that the rental properties out there right now, especially for the young millennial working class, they're all crap. Even if you're living with three other people so you can get a decent apartment, like 
it's still not the zhuzh. It's not the vibe. So this could be a very, very good thing. So I'm interested to see if this can actually go through and if so, what it's going to mean, what it's going to look like. Now, on the other side of the fence, like, I know that landlords and property owners are probably looking at this like, fuck, you know, we just got through the pandemic. And even though it's still happening, now we're getting to a place where we're raising our rent because we need to make up for the last few years of people being able to basically not pay their rent and us have no power over that because of the pandemic. So as business owners, they're trying to play catch up. But at the end of the day, we need more affordable housing. We've been talking about homelessness in this country in particular for, I mean, the entire four years that we've been around. It's a major issue, especially in and around major cities, but there's also a lot of housing crisis and food insecurity that goes on right in our backyards in suburbia. I mean, I I have been watching one of the families in my neighborhood. They bought this home with, you know, their earnest intentions and then uh one of the income providers passed away and did not have a will didn't have anything like that so the person who was left was left trying to care for the home the property as well as a minor child was not able to do so so they ended up trying to rent out their home which technically is only a two bed one bath home but they were renting it out. They turned the living room and the dining room into additional bedrooms. And all those people band together, you know, friends and coworkers alike, trying to scrape together enough to cover the mortgage and cover the bills and everything. And they weren't able to do so. So now they they have to move and they can't find anywhere to live because <laughs> they can't afford it. So it's just, it's it's really everywhere. I think that this could be a good thing, but I do understand people's frustration with just feeling kind of like the long hands of the government are are reaching too far into our neighborhoods, into our pockets, and not really working for us. But let's give this a chance because you know what? Honestly, in the end, if we do have more affordable housing, it helps all of us. It really does. Think of it from like a broad infrastructure standpoint. It helps schools. It helps families. It helps uh, people who, it helps older parents who want to get their adult children out of their home. It helps young families like yours and mine build equity. It, it'll help everybody. So let's see what happens. Now, speaking of Biden, <laughs> they just put out, they being the White House, just put out a lovely PSA. And first, it's Biden. He's standing in front of a foam board uh, map of the United States. Very, you know, apropos third grade, right? Talking about the student debt relief and how he's been pushing and pushing and pushing for this to become a reality to alleviate student debt. Because again, talking about finances, you know, young families like ours, singles, just like you and I, and I'm talking to my age group because you guys are my main audience, the the 25 to 45, for the money that we are bringing in and for the sacrifices that we're making, you know, like we can't even call out a work sick without being made to feel like a total piece of shit. And, oh, well, you now need to bring in a doctor's note. But, like, bro, I liter- I'm 32 years old. I said I'm sick. If I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick, end of story. 
Now on top of that, piggybacking on top of all the stress, we've got student debt relief or student, we got student debt. We thought that we were going to get some relief and don't get me wrong, it was much appreciated when everything was put on hold. However, if they were to alleviate that, like let's say $20,000 per person, right? Like that's maybe like, I'm just guessing that's an average. That would be a game changer. That's $350 a month, roughly, depending on what your repayments are, 150, whatever, back in your pocket so that you can save, so that you can pay off your credit card debt, so that you can go to the grocery store and not cry in the egg section because you can't afford eggs, which historically have always been the cheapest and most affordable form of protein. So Biden is standing there talking about how the Republicans are blocking this and like, let's call it fucking spade a spade. That's exactly what's happening. And then who pops out? Who pops out from stage left but Bernie? And it was a bit of a jump scare, but I loved it. I'm here for it. I mean, look, I, I, you guys know who've been listening to this show. I did not think that Bernie was right for president. I thought that his plans were far-fetched. I thought that they were too progressive. I thought they were too liberal. And I didn't see realistically how our country could make such a shift in the space of a single presidency. So in the space of four years, but I've always liked Bernie and I appreciate that they're going to go back and they're going to keep trying. They're going to keep fighting for this because it's going to make a really big difference. So let's get away from politics for a second. Oh, let me just make mention quickly. (laughs) The guy, I I shan't name names, who dressed up as a drag queen. Um, My grandfather, the nicest person in the world, not a racist bone in the guy's body, not a sexist bone in his body. I found a picture of him dressed up uh, in drag for like, I don't know, they used to have like a party where the women would dress up in, you know, typical men's fashion. This was back in the 40s. And the men would dress up in typical women's fashion and they would, you know, just celebrate it and they would invite their gay and lesbian friends. They would invite their transgender friends to the party to stand in solidarity with them. I just like, you said, oh, like I did it, lighthearted fun, blah, blah, blah. But like, I just want to let, you know, like it's, Like, it's cool. It's okay. What's not cool is you trying to take rights away from the LGBTQ plus community. What's not cool is you trying to make them feel even more unsafe and even more disadvantaged than they already feel. That's not fucking cool. But listen, (laughs) there are, there's nothing wrong with putting on a little bit of makeup and dressing up as the opposite gender. You don't need to be ashamed of it. But what you should be ashamed of is all the other bad shit you're doing. So I will leave it there. I will leave it there. Now, I want to talk about apple bottom jeans and boots with the fur. We need to talk about Flo Rida and how he just won $82.6 million in a court case. So a few years ago, he started working with a drink company called Celsius. I don't know if you've seen their drinks. They do a lot of like energy drinks, but they try to sort of skew themselves more on like the nutritional side. They've got a white can with, I think, black writing and then like pictures of, you know, fruit splashing about on the can. Anyways, he signed a contract with them a few years ago. And uh, at the time, their company was only valued at $10 million. And so he was like, listen, like, I'm going to let you use my music. I'm going to let you use my, my likeliness and, and we're going to do this together. And in return, here's the deal. 
every single time you guys hit a benchmark in terms of worth, I then want to be paid according to that. So whether it's in stocks or monetary, like I want to get paid for every incremental growth that you've got going on along the way. Well, after a few years, Flo Rida and his team felt like they were being mismanaged. They were looking at these benchmark reports that were coming in and they felt like something wasn't adding up because if you looked at the stock market and how this particular beverage stock was performing and then matching it up against what Flow Rider was getting paid, there was a big gap. There was a discrepancy. The math was not mathing. So they decided to dig a little bit deeper and they did find from their own investigation that this company that Celsius was falsifying reports and that they were actually making more than they reported they were to him, that they were worth more than they reported they were to him. So Flo Rida was like, listen, this is not fucking cool. I'm a huge star. I'm an extremely successful writer, producer, singer, rapper. And I was there for you guys when you were teeny tiny small game. I believed in you. And I said to you, Pay me a little bit up front, but let's grow this together. And that's what you do in business. Like if you're if you're if you have the ability to approach a business partnership or a merger or whatever in that way, like that's what you do. You believe in a product and you get your payout later. You get your coin when it's time for you to get your coin. So He decided to file this lawsuit in the state of Florida. And in Florida, in order for a case to even get in front of a judge, to get a jury behind it, everything, the minimum amount that you need to be suing for is $30,000. So that's exactly what he did. He went in at the bare minimum and just wanted $30,000. Now, again, like, let's keep in mind, this is Flo Rida. He probably makes $30,000 a day. There was probably a point in time where he was so successful topping the charts and like owning all the work that he was creating. He was probably making like $30,000 before lunch. So that says to me, that says a lot about him and who he is and what he's all about, that he didn't go in there swinging saying, I want millions and millions of dollars. He's like, no, I just want to make this right by me because I need to stand up for my work and for my worth. Well, the jury went and they reviewed all the evidence and they were like, actually, Flo, it's not $30,000 that you're owed. It's $82.6 million. So there he is in court. He's winning the case. They're playing all of his music. He's jamming out to his own music and he won. Good for him. Honestly, like just the same way that we root for Taylor Swift re-recording all of her music and Jojo re-recording and releasing all of her music before Taylor Swift did, we also need to be there for Flo Rida. We need to be supporting the arts and supporting the artists that create all of this, all of this work that you and I, I mean, music, that's how we remember different moments of our life. We hear a song and it'll bring us right back to a certain time in our life. And we need to start rewarding artists for what they're worth. And we also need to start just practicing better business. All the conversations going on right now about corporate and like, oh, you have to go back to to the office for the culture. And the culture is like a moldy, mildewy Keurig and an empty conference room with uncomfortable chairs. You know, like we just, in terms of how we treat each other for business, It's not the vibe. 
it's not cool. I don't like it. We need to get better. We need to get better. We need to do better. So I'm excited. Congratulations to Flo Rida. I hope you find something worthy in your eyes and fun to do with all that money that you just won. We love you. So, all right. We must talk about Taylor Swift because this is just, <laughs> this is just what we do. I'm so excited. Wait, I don't know if I told you guys, I actually ended up getting tickets. Did I tell you this? So I, I think I told you about how like I got, I was a verified fan. I got the booster. I got boosted again. I then went online. I had my code and everything crashed and burned. I called my husband and he was like, okay, open up the little, you know, code thing on the side so I can see. I read him the error code and he's like, yeah, basically that means that like their whole site is crashing. There's too many people. It's overloaded. You can try to delete some of those numbers in the sequence and like enter in, you know, zero, zero, one or something like that, but it's probably not going to work. So I was really bummed. A few weeks later, I got an email from Ticketmaster themselves saying, hi, we've been asked on behalf of Taylor's team to reach out to you and recognize that you are someone who is a verified fan who tried to get tickets to Taylor's upcoming show and was not able to do so. Sorry about that. Uh, we have potentially two tickets for you if you want them. They are non-transferable. You can't sell, or no, you can transfer them, but you can't sell them. How much would you be willing to pay per ticket? So I went in, you know, I, I did a little bit of dick swinging. I went in, I said 300 to 500, which is definitely not really in my budget, but if I work really hard and if I save up and whatever, it'll be fine. So sure enough, they emailed me back. Congratulations, blah, blah, blah. I got two tickets. I got really, really good seats. I am so excited. So meanwhile, while I'm excited and trying to think of what I'm going to wear, and I honestly, I think it's just, I, I think I'm going to get just like a black, like full body bodysuit, basically like a like a leotard um but like a sleeveless one and then just wear my taylor swift hoodie on top of it with some sneakers because i want to be able to like move and dance and i know that there's so many people that make their own costumes and they like theme it out and whatever i i'm just i don't have it in me and i'm not very good at sewing so i don't think i'll be able to do that i did reach out to one girl who was offering to make outfits for the concert but by the time i reached out to her she was totally inundated so i'm like all right it's all good I think if anything, I might get some Ivy because my one of my favorite songs is Ivy and that's off her folklore album, I think. And uh, so I might get some Ivy and like weave it into my hair if I braid my hair. But that's it. That's that's as fun as I'm going to get. I really just want to wear my sneakers and I want to dance around and have a good time. So Taylor released her music video for um, Lavender Haze. And I think I talked about Lavender Haze in a previous episode, but I'll give you a little rundown. Lavender Haze is the first song on her new album, Midnights. And lavender as a color, as well as the term Lavender Haze, has long been a lesbian, a loving lesbian term to describe a woman loving another woman and being in that lavender haze and just you know, celebrating that femininity, right? So when she announced Lavender Haze, when she was doing her little TikTok series and Instagram series, 
people were like, oh my God, she's finally confirming that she's either gay or a lesbian. Like, this is in. So the Gaylers were all thrilled. So then Taylor came out with a self-recorded interview talking about Lavender Hayes. And she said that she first heard the term on Mad Men. So, of course, the internet went and they found the exact episode and the exact moment that Lavender Hayes was being referred to. And it was referring to a heterosexual, a heteronormative love, a heterosexual couple between a man and a woman. And the funny thing was, even though that was the case, the character was in love with a woman named Elizabeth and Elizabeth is Carly Kloss's middle name. So now the internet is all ablaze. Oh, God. Yeah, she's saying one thing, but she means another. And if you listen to her song, Dear Reader, she didn't say Dear Listener. She said Dear Reader, which means she's talking to the people like us, the Gaylers, who read in between the lines. <sighs> I'm exhausted. So the music video comes out. Visually, it is stunning. There is nothing about it that is catering towards the male gaze. It is all just reeking of femininity. Um, every single person with the exception of Taylor in that music video is transgender, which I love because Taylor set up the perfect trap. Like even my husband and I watched it when it came out and I said, oh, I know that actor who's, who's playing her lover. He's trans. And my husband's like, well, he can't be. Look at his body. Look, I said, well, honey, he has gone through top surgery, which means that he had his breasts removed. And obviously he goes to the gym and pays a lot of, of attention to uh, his physical physique. So yes, trans men absolutely can, and most of the time do look like natural born men. So what I love about this is, and I'm not, and I'm not shading my husband because my husband is always, always trying to learn, trying to understand, trying to grow. And that's what he was doing by making those comments. He was not trying to be negative. He just, he didn't know, but he was willing to listen. Anyways, here's what I love is people who are looking at this saying that can't be a man, like that could not be a woman that looks like a man. Then what you're doing is you are confirming that like, that like that trans is valid right and then if you say like oh well blah 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 with trans people like either way no matter how you criticize or critique the video like you're either validating trans people and their appearance and everything like or you are just proving that you do believe that transgender is a thing like either way like T taylor created the perfect trap for you again like can we just can we get past this whole like transphobia thing. Can we just move on with it? Like who, literally who cares? What does, it, not like who cares. I don't mean it like that. But like why use trans, tr like wh why use that as a weapon? It does not, like being trans or being an ally for trans people, like, that's not something that you should weaponize. We've got other shit to worry about, honestly. Like, did you not hear the beginning of this episode where I talked about <laughs> affordable housing and student loan relief? Like, this is the shit that we need to be worried about. Homelessness, food insecurity, our crumbling education system, our horrible infrastructure. Like, this is what we need to be worrying about, not whether or not someone feels that they were born in the right 
body. That's not something that we need to weaponize. So let's just get past it. So anyways, the Lavender Haze music video, absolutely visually stunning. It was beautiful. It was filled with Easter eggs. There's a lot of people online saying that they think that the Lavender Haze music video, in addition to the single, was meant to be the lead single, but instead Taylor changed her mind and decided to do Antihero, then Bejeweled, and then uh, Lavender Haze. Again, what I'll say about this album, just to touch on it quickly, is it's wonderful as a standalone. It is exceptional if you've been following Taylor for her entire career. And anyone who says that they don't like Taylor Swift, like, that's totally fine. But if you, I mean, yeah, if you don't want to listen to an artist where you actually need to listen to the lyrics and like feel something then yeah like it's not for you so I love it I'm looking forward to the concert Taylor also said in um online she said what was it Lavender Haze was the first music video uh of the three I've released something her wording was something like that so now fans are like ooh. There's more music videos. She didn't say, like, there's only three. She said of the three that she's released, which leads me to think that there may be more. Um, it seems that the talk has died down a little bit around that song, Bigger Than the Whole Sky, which I was telling you guys about in that uh, in the Midnight's episode. There's a bunch of people online that are, like, really giddy with themselves because they think that that song is about her... Um, becoming pregnant with John Mayer's baby and then having an abortion. And I would simply like to say, maybe keep it to yourself. It, that's so private. And yes, she made it public by writing this song. And yes, she absolutely dropped an almost undeniable Easter egg by titling her song about John Mayer coulda woulda shoulda and then putting those exact lyrics in this song but I think that like when it comes to speculation and stuff there's just some stuff that we should probably leave to the artist um and I think that this may be one of them but maybe you know maybe she did this because she wanted us to talk about child loss she wanted us to talk about a woman's right to choose she wanted to talk about how you know, making these decisions never are made lightly uh, and I've said that before when it comes to abortion or terminating a pregnancy be it because you want to or because you have no choice because the pregnancy is no longer viable and keeping it would would kill the the mother um would kill the pregnant person um it's never a decision that you go into lightly and it is something that for better or worse sticks with you for the rest of your life that's that's just how it works so i i hate to see sort of the people that are really thrilled with themselves been very pleased with themselves because they think that they have made this link and they're making videos about it luckily like the rest of the community isn't really engaging with that content and with those videos because i think that we all sort of feel like it's just too private to speculate about but you know to, to each their own i would just you know just maybe not be pleased with yourself but maybe share the information like hey i think i may have figured something out and if this is the case then um, you know, I, I, I feel <laughs> my empathy is being stirred up. I don't know. Don't be like, you guys, I literally figured it out. Like, don't be so vapid. 
I think that's, yeah, don't be so vapid about it. Anyways, huh, I have to get some more coffee because my caffeine is starting to wear off. So I'm going to go. But I'm so glad to be here with all of you. Thank you very, very much for tuning in. My audience has grown once again, so I'm thrilled to have all of the new listeners here. Thank you, thank you, thank you for spreading the word. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I see that a lot of you are using Alexa, and the thought of that makes me giddy. I'm allowed to say that. Like, that tickles me. That The fact that you guys are in your kitchens or wherever being like, hey, Alexa, or what do you say to, no, I think with Alexa, you just say, Alexa, yeah, Alexa, play dicks in politics. I love that. Keep saying it. Keep saying it out loud. Continue to do your research, own research. Continue to get involved. But you can always count on me to give you little snippets of what's going on in the world. So from WISP and Dixon Politics, once again, my name is Samantha. Take very, very good care of yourselves in the meantime, and I'll catch up with you again soon. Bye-bye.